This is the St. Peter and Volo podcast, and I'm Father Nathan, and with me today is Brother Nathan Ford of the Canons Regular of St. John Cantius. Welcome, Brother Nathan. Thank you, Father. It's good to be here. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we've been away for a couple days. I've been away. I haven't done a lot of podcasts, so sorry for all of you who wait up every day for the podcast to upload. Uh, I know there's there's a few, and uh, I've been thinking about you those days when I didn't upload. but I think probably we'll have, uh, we may not be able to continue our everyday podcast uh, because it it gets to be a lot. And uh, there's still a lot of other things that we're doing every day. But we'll do as much as we can. I hope you saw the live stream from St. Peter's, the Vespers. The brothers came up today and this is a good opportunity to to have Brother Nathan come and specifically talk about his recent trip to the Holy Land. Uh, we just went through Holy Week. And all of our thoughts, all of our hearts are in the places of the Holy Land. And anyone who's been to the Holy Land, will, their mind will go to the places where all of these things actually happened on this earth. You know, I've never been to the Holy Land, so I'm only speaking from other people's experience. Uh, so, uh, Holy Land, what was it? What was it like for you? Was it a good trip? <laughs> oh, it was absolutely horrible. I just, oh man, uh, couldn't wait to get home. Uh, no, it was fantastic. Um, it was great being over there in um, the Holy Land. They call it the fifth gospel. And at first I was like, oh, that's cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but then being over there, you really start to, you really start to understand that all these little places and the little aspects of our Lord that they give, because every place kind of gives you a different flavor, um, you know, or a, or a different um, viewpoint of our Lord when you're over there and you kind of, you kind of, you get these little, little sections. And then at the end, when you come home, they actually have time to reflect. Then it's when it all kind of comes together and you're able to see how they relate and how the land or the culture over there really formed him, you know, cause mm. he was, he was human. He was, he's one of us. Right. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's stop there for a second because someone asked me the question, uh, and this is getting into a little theological, uh, Oh boy. Uh, side job here. But uh, so how did, so in the, we say, St. Paul said, Christ learned obedience from what he suffered. Mm-hmm. And the question to me was how, you know, how did Christ learn obedience? Wasn't he obedient already? And so the, I mean, the answer I gave, which I think was a pretty good answer. I'm sure it was. St. <laughs> Thomas, he talks about how, uh, Christ had three kinds of knowledge. He had uh, acquired knowledge, he had infused knowledge, and he had beatific knowledge. Beatific knowledge is the knowledge he had because he is God, because he is God. Mm-hmm. And so he he has all of the, the beatific knowledge. The infused knowledge was what the knowledge that his human nature had because it was in union with his beatific, with his divine nature. Right. And then the acquired knowledge is the knowledge he had 
as as a human mm-hmm. and as a as a divine person who assumed human nature yet he emptied himself and became he learned from his mother and stepfather he learned in the way that we learn uh, to have all of the experiences with us. He was like us in all things except for sin. Mm-hmm. So this is what St. Thomas says, that he had three types of Sounds knowledge. like a good answer to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I just wanted to say that. And then that there's, that he grew in wisdom and and knowledge and stature. Is mm-hmm. that the first? Yeah. Yeah. So I, so when you say that the land formed him, yeah. here's God who created the yeah. world. And here is a, his human nature who is born into it and then is and then is formed by the very world that he created. Right. How humbling is that? Yeah. Like that in a way, like we as humans or the land that we live in or the culture, like forms or shapes God in some way, right? Who he is. Um, it was something, it was something uh, that really came to life when we were in Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were only spent a few days in Nazareth and as we were there, um, you know, we, we went up to the house of St. Joseph where they would have lived. Can, can you tell, why were you in the Holy Land? What brought you to oh, the Holy okay. Land? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's helpful. Yeah. Um, so I, the Mundelein Seminary, all mm-hmm. third year theologians before they're ordained deacons, um, spend nine, 10 weeks over in the Holy Land, um, studying, praying, visiting the shrines. We take classes while we're over there. Um, social justice classes, um, Gospel of John pro- prophets. So we have some in-house classes. Professors come with us. But we also spend time just visiting different sites, um, uh, speaking with local people, um, getting the history, um, and uh, different different classes given by um, locals over there coming in to speak about um, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, mm-hmm. um, talking about the the history of Israel. Um, the the Jews and the Muslims and the Christians and how they all relate over there, um, right. and, and then just also visiting all of the historical and biblical um, sites that were over there. A lot of um, there are a lot of different components. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of juggling, you know, at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. you have the the scriptural you're 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 juggling, but then you also there's human, um, there's historical, there's classes, uh, and then there's also just like. Uh, human you're just in a new land and you're sure. going to a restaurant that's you're, different you're food you know and, you're eating hummus right whatever yeah right? that's what i've heard yeah that's that's basically <laughs> all we do is eat hummus and falafel <laughs> so how long were you there uh we were there just about nine weeks uh the coronavirus sent us home a few days early um, but we were there for the majority of our time. So and about you nine got weeks. home though. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you guys got home right before the border closed, right? It right. Was like, it was like everything was shutting down as I was going out. Like right the last you. few days, <laughs> last few days in Jerusalem, like we were the last group at our hotel there. We were the last ones. And they were like, as soon as you leave, we got no one. It's empty. So uh, everything was shutting down. The city was shutting down shops. We couldn't get into stuff. So like I spent that week. As soon as class was over, like busting out the door and going everywhere I possibly could before it all got shut down, you know, just to just to visit um, and go there. Cool. So in Nazareth, you were talking about Nazareth. Yeah, Saint Joseph. Nazareth. Uh, so we were there in Nazareth, and 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 that night, the first night we got there, it was raining. It was very cold, um, and we were praying at the spot of the Annunciation to Our Lady. 
Um, there's a big basilica that's there. But what a lot of people don't see is if you go up um, through these trees, there's this little hill, um, and it's very dark, and there's not tons of signs. There's another church, and that's the house of St. Joseph. So that's mm. where he would have taken Our Lady and Our Lord, and that's where they would have lived. So coming back from Egypt, the flight into Egypt, that's where Our Lord spent 30 years growing living, working in his workshop, all this kind of stuff. And so you go down into a crypt and you can actually see the stones of the house. You know, it's not that far from the, from uh, the the Annunciation Basilica because it was a small village at the time. And, uh, and it was just this powerful sense of his humanity. You know, Mm -hmm. the the next day, me and a few guys were outside. We brought uh, baseball gloves and a baseball. We're playing catch. We're like, we're doing the same thing our Lord did. Uh, you know, like, sure, you yeah. know, early centuries, yeah. you know, maybe not playing baseball, but something catch. similar. No doubt they were playing right? catch. Yeah, like, I'm sure. sure that goes back yeah, that's as a long thing. as humanity. That's what little boys do. Yeah. Or adult seminarians. <laughs> but but it was it was just this cool moment where it's like, no, in the same ground, we're doing the same thing. You know, just living and learning and uh, interacting with the culture and the people that were there. It was, just, it was really powerful because – and – that entire first half of the trip, being in Bethlehem, being in Nazareth, being in that, you know, in the, uh, the Sea of Galilee, that was all so much, like, geared towards his humanity. Like, you, you got to understand him. Mm-hmm. The crazy, like, mountains and hills and the water and how he walked, you know, by foot everywhere. Like, this guy was built. Like, mm-hmm. he was a dude. And he's walking around everywhere and and all the things that he did and, and the Sermon on the Mount and these locations and you see it and how far he travels, you, you really get to understand him. And even the teachings that he gives um, are very they're, – they're very, they're very human. Um, what but, are, sorry. I was just going to say – but then there's this transition. There's a really big transition, transition when you go to um, – we go to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. It's like that other half of the puzzle where it's like all of a sudden his divinity comes alive. Like oh, the wow. reason he comes. And it was interesting the way the pilgrimage was laid out because the first half we did that. We, we, like we really got to know him as a person, right? You see where he lived. You see the culture. You eat the food. You see the tensions and all this kind of stuff that I don't think is much different from 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And you get to know him and you're, you know, you're sitting there at the primacy of Peter, the Mount of Beatitudes, or you're taking runs to comparing him every morning. You're swimming in the Sea of Galilee. So what do you mean the primacy of Peter? What? So the primacy of Peter, where he gives, uh, where he gives Peter the keys of the kingdom mm-hmm. um, there on the, on the seashore. And then and, and, and says that Peter is the rock on which he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That was like a hundred yards from where I stayed for two weeks. Wow. And so every like morning you get to go there and then Capernaum where, you know, where he teaches in the synagogue and he heals Peter's mother-in-law, much to Peter's dismay, where they like, where they go out fishing every day. And uh, that's where I do like, I, I run there. It's like two and a half miles away. And then you sit really? and you pray and then you come back. Wow. And so all of that really helped to get to know him as like, Jesus the Nazarene, like the person. Hmm. And then there's this beautiful transition that happened where actually 
without coincidence, it was on Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday was the day that we moved to Jerusalem. And it was this beautiful image that was stuck in my head of longing to go to that heavenly city, longing to go to Jerusalem, right? Like the prayers at the beginning of mass is the priest longing to go into the altar of God, right? Going up those steps to the altar is going up the hills to Jerusalem, going up that mountain. And we did that on Ash Wednesday, beginning of Lent, like leading into one of the holiest seasons. We were able to do that. We were able to take this newly formed relationship with the person, Jesus, and then we were able to go up to Jerusalem. And there, slowly, his divinity, his like divine mission was revealed to us in all the places that Jerusalem had. Because Jerusalem is incredible, just incredible hmm. um, for showing that. Wow. Yeah, I, that, that's interesting, that the humanity in Nazareth and the divinity in Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was the... It was the one place of sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? It was the, you know, now I mean, we have tabernacles all over the world. We have right. churches all over the world. And our Lord, you know, went outside the city and died outside the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so when he goes into the temple, well, like in his presentation, he walks into the temple and here he comes into his, comes into his house, mm-hmm. the house of God, where he who is both human and divine in a sense, claims his divinity here, like, mm-hmm. or it resonates with his divinity here. That was interesting to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your, what was your most profound experience? Hmm. My most profound experience, <laughs> it was actually, <laughs> it was my own transfiguration. Wow. Was that on Mount Tabor? <laughs> it was on Mount Tabor, actually. No way. <laughs> yeah. It was, I was horribly sick, horribly sick. I got sick in Nazareth and I, I will spare you all the gory details. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, it was the day we were leaving Nazareth and, uh, we were going from Nazareth to Galilee and we were going to spend a few weeks in Galilee. So I could not stay home that day. Mm -hmm. We had loaded the bus with stuff. There was no staying home because you were sick. So you had to go. And so we go to Mount Tabor and Mount Tabor is, the most perfect mountain ever. It's more perfect than Mount Volo. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Father Ben is going to be sorry to hear. Oh, I, I'll <laughs> let you break it to him after I leave. But it's um, it's just totally. There's flat all around, and then this like perfect mountain rises out of the ground. There's one spiritual writer who says uh, God created Mount Tabor as the most perfect mountain to be the natural altar on which he would offer up his son, on which he would transfigure his son. Oh, wow. Right? And so when you look at it from a distance, you just see it. It's like it's the shape of an altar. Like it's perfectly formed. And it's it's super steep and it just kind of rises up like a plateau and then it's just flat on top. But it's covered in lush grass and these beautiful trees. And so you go to the bottom and you have to take these buses because it's so steep and the roads are winding back and forth, you take these buses up for like 20 minutes and you get to the top and they drop you off. So that did not help the illness whatsoever. (laughs) And so I'm up there at the top and I'm ready to die. And mass is about about to begin. So I'm going inside for mass and I'm standing in the back and mass just concludes, just concludes. And I like, I bolt outside 
and I'm sweating and I'm delirious and I, I don't know what's going on. So I wander and somehow climbed over a rock fence somewhere and I'm stumbling down these like these little hills on top of Mount Tabor in the woods to the point where like there's no one. I can't see anyone. can't see anything. It's totally off the path. I have no idea if I'm supposed to be there or not. And, um, and I find this like grove of trees and grass and like just looking over the cliff on the, on the side. So there I am sitting on Mount Tabor, just like totally like enwrapped in nature away from it all. The rest of the group is like having hummus and falafel <laughs> as, as we do. And, uh, and I just, I like laid there and, uh, and Having having some time to just kind of kind of rest and take a moment, just the breeze and the and the sunlight, and um, having a chance to kind of breathe, and I guess you know being so physically kind of worn down actually you know allowed for uh-huh. a spiritual moment there. That was just it was really beautiful where I was able to um, I was able to talk to God um, in a way that I I hadn't in a while. Um, you know, I, I was able to, to tell him a lot, was able to, um, share with him a lot and then to just kind of let him, uh, let his presence, uh, be with me, you know, um, kind of in the, in the, the, like you have the sense of like, you know, the same words he, he says to our Lord at the baptism, like, this is my beloved son, like this, this idea of sonship, right. Um, like you could almost hear his voice, um, and that was just something that was really needed for me. I think it was really special, especially going into diaconate ordination coming up soon. Um, was just this like affirmation um, that like, no, I've called you since you were seven. Like, continue in this. Like, yes, no, I, I want to affirm you in this. And uh, and it it was good. And and I want. I came away from that. I just stayed there for like an hour and a half or two. And they all had to come looking for me. I was like passed out <laughs> under a tree, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, I didn't, I didn't, I would, I wanted to hold on to that moment. I remember writing in my journal that night, like, how do I, how do I get that again? Mm-hmm. And not for the emotional high, right? right. I'm not one f- for the theatrics and the, the, the drama, but like, but for that, that sense of presence or that, like with him, it was just, it was simple. I think a lot of times I don't we tend to like create frameworks or we make things that make everything so complex sure. or we like we create these things in our mind but to like kind of let those go and to just be with God and allow right. him to hear a voice cuz really when we do that then we see like it's actually really simple right right, right. um yeah we we use the all the different you know the methods of prayer and the and the you know we read books and we try to describe it. We listen to podcasts. Worse, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But and and that, and it helps us. It Absolutely. helps us. Yeah. But in the end, all of the particular details, everything has to be brought into that whole of just relationship with God. Right. Who is God, and how is He speaking with me? Which is which is one on one. Yeah. These things help, but they they're not. You know, we think, oh, we do this, and then we'll be set. Right. You know, I set all this up. I do this. I have this plan. Like, great. We should plan. We should, you know, we should try. We should have things in place. But ultimately, like, it comes down into really small moments. So when you're able to be in a delusional state on top of Mount Tabor, it's really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of the most, like, that was one of the most personally powerful moments. Awesome. Thanks for sharing for that. Me. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
Um, so besides having a profound moments, <laughs> <laughs> what was your most ridiculous moment? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure we're allowed to talk. Yeah, about no, that that, no, that will kidding. be that'll be on a, a different podcast channel. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be Sirius XM Radio. <laughs> we're allowed to share those stories. Um, yeah. So, are you in Nazareth, Jerusalem? Where else did you go? We were in Bethlehem uh, for a long time, which I don't know if I'm allowed to say. Ah, yeah. So. Doesn't everyone go to Bethlehem? Like, isn't that? Yeah. But living there in Palestine. Right. So so what's wrong with living in Palestine? Oh, this is a big thing. This is the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. It's super political, too. Yeah, it is. No, yeah. I know. And I don't know. And I, 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 I mean, would love to have this conversation <laughs> when podcasts are over that we have the real talk. <laughs> um, sure. No, no. I think, yeah, we were, we were in we – we were in uh, – we were in Bethlehem, and it was amazing. And, and I think you can we can share that. We spent the first three weeks living there in Bethlehem, and it felt um, it felt very much like I was very much a cultural immersion. I mean, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, it's the spot of our Lord's birth. It's it's beautiful. You have the giant basilica that's there. There's a lot of you know. There's a few beautiful shrines that are there, but aside from that, it's it's very much a cultural immersion living in Palestine. What's that like being mm-hmm. woken up throughout the day to the call to prayer, being blasted over loudspeakers, um, just like 85 to 90% are Muslim. there. really very small Christian population. It's diminished. Um, I mm. don't remember the facts, but like, it's just, it's gone rapidly down. Um, the Christian population that's there. Um, so it was just really interesting, like to be there at just horrible poverty all over. Um, and you, you have refugee camps that we would visit. And then you also, um, you know, there's the tensions between the Israelis and Palestinians. There are roaming blackouts that would randomly happen where just power is cut off just parts of the city or water is just cut off. Hmm. So there's, or heat or whatever it is. So there's just periods where all of a sudden lights turn off where we're saying, and it's up to whoever when they want to turn them back on. So it was just this like, weird adventure cultural immersion walking through the streets of Bethlehem. Um, that was, that was really, it was really interesting. It was way different. It's way different than anywhere in Europe. You know, you go to Italy, you go to France, it's Europe, right? Mm-hmm, They're mm-hmm. different. They're special, but it's Europe. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like that, right? It's truly like the middle East. And, uh, and so that was, we were there for three weeks. Um, and that was, that was really powerful. Um, and then from there, then we went to Nazareth for about five days. And then from Nazareth, we spent two, three weeks in uh, by the Sea of Galilee. Oh, wow. So I hear that's very nice. It is. It was quite lovely. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we stayed at, um, at a place right on the Sea of Galilee, um, about two and a half miles from Capernaum, uh, just north of Tiberias. And, uh, and so that was kind of our base of operations. Then we take day trips out to places all over um, – Jordan River, Mount of Beatitudes, um, Jericho, the Dead Sea, things like that. Wow. Um, just kind of going all over. Cool. So having been to the Holy Land, how was this last Holy Week for you? How did it change? This last Holy Week changed for me just because there's a lot to this last Holy Week, even aside from 
yeah. visiting the Holy Land. But having been recently to the Holy Land, it was um, everything. Everything comes alive a bit more when you read the Lamentations of Jeremiah. You know, for Tenebrae, you you hear that in the morning. Um, when you when you read the Passion narrative, or you you know you do the Way of the Cross, like I I did the actual Way of the Cross several times you know yeah, on fridays actually, and lent wow to actually have that the image of the yeah. place where it was that yeah would be so good. and to and to walk through that and to do it and to touch the stones and um yeah it just it helps it come like i'm 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 there mm-hmm. i'm just like i see it it makes it kind of puts all because you read the gospel and you're like okay but you kind of can't you like want to draw a diagram Right. Like, okay, where were they? What was going on? And when you go over there and you see it, you're like, oh, like, it makes sense. It's connected. Yeah, that's where that would be. And it's also, you also realize, like, how small it is. Sure. Like, you know, when when you really think about it, like, it's not like it was super far apart. Everything, it was a small city. And yeah. It all Lord, happened. Our Lord walked Israel yeah. up and down. Yeah. 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 And so you just, you see it, you see it all all in there. Um, and so that really helped, uh, throughout this Holy Week because you were just able to enter into it and seeing these places. Um, and, uh, I don't know, it made, it made it come alive. It's not just this like nice story, mm-hmm. you know, cause you read the gospels or you hear them, you go, oh, you know, that's nice. And we meditate on it, but there's something to being there. It's like we were talking at the beginning, you know, where it's like, all, like, you can grab it. It's like tangible, sure. you know? It's like the incarnation of our Lord is, is realized in a certain way that because um, Jesus can remain, I, I really think for many people, Jesus is an idea yeah. that they believe. They right. believe in the idea of Jesus right. and they believe in the ideas of what he taught. Right. But Jesus is not just an idea. He was a real person who walked on the earth. Right. And because our mind doesn't doesn't grasp what it is for divinity to assume humanity right for those two things to be happening at the same time <laughs> right walking on on dirt yeah and and god it's like we we can i think then our mind resolves it wants to resolve it to just an idea yep Oh, but it's safer that way. Right. It's way cleaner. Right. Oh, this is, it's nice. It's a story. It's an idea. Lovely. Right. Pretty. I'll take it out when I want to read it and I'll put it back. But it was kind of like what we were saying actually at the beginning, but opposite. We talked about like how humbling it is that we as human in the land like transform God, but then to see the opposite in Jerusalem where God comes and transforms the land. Mm. It's called the Holy Land. Even before Jesus comes, but it's it's sanctified. There's something more, like, more special that's about that land. But even beyond that land, it expands farther. Um, we had a really great professor, Father Neuhaus, that was over there, and he came. And uh, he came and gave us several talks. And in one of them, he talked about the Jewish people's connection to the land. Mm-hmm. And he, he tried to explain this to him. He was a former Jew, and he had converted and become a Catholic priest actually a while ago. And uh, and so he's talking about the Jews' connection to the land, and how important it is for them for that for that place, and how interesting it is because from the very beginning in Genesis that we have the Garden of Eden. It seems to have no boundaries. 
It's this perfect garden. Mm. And boundaries are only mentioned as soon as they sin against God and they are kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Now all of a sudden there's a boundary that's introduced. From there on, we have this tension between the people of God and others. Cain and Abel, there's always this separation. There's this metaphorical, sometimes literal boundary that's created constantly throughout the story. And when we go through all the books of the Old Testament, we see how this boundary is slowly torn down. The people of God, right? Joshua is told to go into the land and to take it, right? And one of my, one of my questions always is like, well, he, God tells him to go into the land and take it and to murder every man, woman, and child. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> like what God would do that? But I mean, and they're using it to show that like, no, there's a difference between the Israelites and other people, right? There's, there's, there's the separation, but then something interesting happens. Rahab is allowed to live. She's not a member of the chosen people of God. Mm -hmm. She's not an Israelite. Mm -hmm. And she lets them, she protects them. And when they go to sack Jericho, she and her family are allowed to live. And then shortly after that, then there's another tribe that comes to comes to Joshua and says, hey, can we be friends and you not kill our entire tribe? And Joshua's like, yeah, okay. And so, which is odd. Kill everyone but Rahab. Kill everyone but this tribe. And slowly these boundaries begin to kind of expand. So we're reversing something that was introduced at the fall all the way until it comes to Christ. And there's something obviously very important that happens with Christ Mm -hmm. where he comes and by the blood that was shed, he sanctifies the land. He makes it holy. The blood that was poured on the dirt and the rocks and that holy land, that people of God isn't just like, you know, that land is now holy. The entire earth becomes holy. Like we stand on holy ground today, right? When Mm -hmm. we enter enter any church, Mm -hmm. um, the Holy Land is expanded, right? His blood has sanctified the earth, calling all men to himself. So it's the reverse of that first fall. And you you see that throughout. So my reason in telling this very long explanation is that for Holy Week, for me, is it's, it's Good Friday, where the priest takes off his shoes and he genuflects three times before he goes oh. to before the wood of the cross. And that comes from Moses, when he goes before the burning bush and God says, take off your sandals for you stand on holy ground. We are standing on that same holy ground whenever we enter into these churches or whenever we like, we recognize God's presence among us, even in our homes under quarantine, mm-hmm. right? Like we mm-hmm. stand on holy ground. There's no difference, you know, between Israel, the land of Israel over there and the churches that we enter into. So it's this there's a beautiful reflection in terms of, you know, being over there and seeing the actual place. And at the same time, realizing, no, I don't leave this. I actually return to it on the plane ride home. Like it, mm. it, it, it's there. And having gone is good. You're able to see it. Mm-hmm. You're able to live in it. But you hold it and you come back and you, and you say, oh, oh, look, I'm, I'm still there. When I par- right. participate in the way of the cross in my local church or in my home. Oh, wow. oh, you know, when yeah. I attend mass, I'm, oh, I'm at Calvary or Easter morning when he comes forth from the tomb, like, oh, I'm there at the tomb. All these little things, you know, you, and it's, you recognize it mm-hmm. and it's really, it becomes something that's really familiar. Um, and, uh, 
And I don't know, that's where my mind went for Holy Week. So it was extremely special to experience Holy Week, having gone to the Holy Land and to hold on to that. But then it was also, it was a Holy Week that was no different than other Holy Weeks. It was, it was this, it was this, it was the same. It was the same place. It was something that was familiar. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we think because, oh, I, I go to Jerusalem. Now I know God better. Like, no, I mean, it's helpful. You know, it gives you images, but you, you could also not go because we have Jesus Christ himself, Calvary itself, the tomb itself. All of these places are literally present mystically mm-hmm. in the mass and in each and every single church that's there. You know, and so it's it's kind of, it's this weird error, I think, in our thinking. But it's also, it's very, it's yeah, normal. But I mean, it's, it's, bu- what, it's built on the incarnational thing where oh, Jesus yeah. walked over there. So you want to go, you so want to touch go over it. There. Right? And obviously there's a value to it. But the reality is that through the sacramental reality, yeah. we go there. Yeah. And for and so it's not an essential part of our religion right. to go on pilgrimage there. Right. It's absolutely like it's helpful. It it's, gives you something, right. but it's a kind of it's bonus. Not, yeah. But it's right. But it, what is essential is to enter into the holy where we are. Right. Because right. it's everywhere. Right. Right. Be, yeah. And so uh, that, That's a great that point. yeah, that was what really stayed with me throughout that holy week was just this idea of like the holy land. You know, that that land which is holy, and we, we go there. But because of Christ's sacrifice, that has expanded throughout the earth. Like you and I right now stand on holy ground. So mm-hmm. do those at Bowl home listening. Definitely yeah. holy <laughs> <laughs> those at home listening to this podcast, right, mm-hmm. are, are you're standing on holy ground. So what does that mean for you? Like, do we, do we recognize that? You know, how, how does that change for us? Right. Um, because all of that, that entire salvation history and that, that Paschal mystery is, is continuously present to us. Um, and I think that's something that's really important. It was on my heart, you know, under this quarantine mm-hmm. and everything that's going on right now is when people can't go to their holy land, which is their local parish. Right, right. right? So then you're just like, oh, well, I'm cut off from it. There's a boundary between me and God. The doors are locked. The doors are locked. The doors are locked. And but so, guess what? Right. I know what you're going to say. Say it. <laughs> and Jesus walks through the locked door. He walks through the locked doors. Yeah. Right? In the yeah. resurrection. The boundaries don't hold him back. Yeah. Like, lock the doors all you want. He comes through them, you know? And and, and that that's something that's so powerful, mm-hmm. you know? You, like, I read about the churches being locked and all. It kind of just makes me smile. Because I was like, I mean, try all you might. Like, you know, like God's, he's going to come through. God's still doing. He's still still working. What he's doing. Yeah. yeah. He's still doing what he's doing. And he's doing more what he's doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Because God doesn't permit anything to happen except for it's for our good. It's for our salvation and it's for the salvation of the world. Right. So God, God is, yeah, absolutely present and working. And I I see it. And anyone who's, anyone who's looking can see it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, there's just like absolute charity that I see coming out of people's hearts, like the the going out of themselves to to see others, the the concern for others, and the and the desire for God and to be in union with God is yeah. right now is very intense, and I, I just hope that it it 
maintains and right. it endures right. while we still yeah. have everything Yeah, we're very sensationalist people, right? Yeah, you know, right. we and yeah, no, for it to for it to be a lesson that we hold on to. Mm-hmm. You know, something that we we teach our future generations, our kids that maybe don't don't go through this or don't remember it, you know. Right. Um, you know, it's going to be funny like you know, 15 years down the road. Yeah. Like teenagers will be talking to teenagers and they're like, no, we don't know what that's about. Right. Like we've never experienced yeah. it. And we're like, what? Yeah, right. It's like, like September 11th. Yeah, like, exactly. you know, like oh, we talk like, oh, where were you when that happened? <laughs> and like, you know, you talk to like, you know, 13 year olds right now and they're like, oh, I don't even know what that is. You're like, oh, our education system has failed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's just, uh, as life, there's, this is our, our ring in the tree right now. This, yeah. This. Thing yeah. is a ring in the oh, tree. Oh yeah, it's and our it's, chapter in our chapter book, right? Yeah, and, and it's it, and it's always going to be there, and there'll be lessons that we will be able to draw from it, and, yeah. and stuff. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I I think there's a tendency to, you know, obviously because it's in it's in our here and now, it's in our present, so it it's so big, mm-hmm. so huge, it, it envelops our, every aspect of our day. But the chapter will end. Yeah. There will be another chapter. And you move on and it'll be part of this whole that we call our life, you know, that, that ring on our tree, it makes up, it makes up the full trunk and you can see, you know, how much water it got or how much it grew or, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, but just, you know, it fascinates me. You read these biographies of people or the lives of the saints, you know, and, and then he went into the Amazon forest and three years later when he returned to seminary and you're like, whoa, time out. Like <laughs> what were those three years, you know? Right. And so it's, it, it really helps to uh, keep that perspective, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to remind ourselves that like, no, this, this too will pass, mm-hmm. um, you know? And so, but then also not to just put our eggs, our Easter eggs <laughs> all in that. Oh, when this ends, then we'll get back to normalcy. Sure, sure, sure. Like that idea of that's a good, really good point, right? Like, because oh, it, oh, then, yeah, you it, know, when we're when we're free of this, then then my life will be good. Then, then I'll be life. able to learn something. Then it'll be then, no, then able... I can do something. Yeah, yeah no, no, January first, right? that's when I'll work out. <laughs> I won't do it now, but magically yeah. on that day, I will. it's that same kind of idea. And I don't, I don't quite know what normalcy is. To me, it seems like every day is a little different. Right. And so instead of always waiting, oh, when, when it gets normal again, when these things happen, then I'll, you know, then we'll do, or you have the day that's given to you. So what you're saying is I need to start writing. Father Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping it wasn't going to come Volo to this. Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> needs to be ascended. Nate needs to be ascended. <laughs> Let us go up. <laughs> no, it like, you know. To see to see the here and now that we have, yeah. and how God is working, and how He's He's come through those locked doors to us, and not to just wait. Oh, you know, when this is over, when I go to the Holy Land, when I take that trip, when I get that raise, when I get that college degree, like that stuff, it will come, or not. But for now, we have each other, and we have, you know, whatever challenges are before us in this day, and that's enough for today. And so we do our best to love and to choose the good, and then we go to bed at night. And I think that makes it a lot easier because it kind of takes all that mess and that framework we talked about earlier and just kind of like it makes it a little more simpler, a little bit more manageable to kind of chew off little bites um, to go through a day because that's really all we can do. Yeah. 
Cool. Let's do it. All right. Cool. Let's do it. Thanks. Thanks so much. <laughs> thanks for talking about the Holy Land. Absolutely. Appreciate it. And thanks for coming to Volo. Uh, Love it. And uh, it's great to see all the brothers today. And I look forward to seeing all the parishioners someday. In the meantime, we're offering all our masses for you, for your intentions. So uh, don't stop uniting all of your sufferings, all of your all of your work, all of your prayers to the masses that are being united. God's grace is present to us right now. So respond to it. So let's end with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.